Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Hi, uh, welcome to The Curb Podcast. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this podcast is recorded in the lands of the Wajak people, AF Perth region, and a pair of respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. On this episode, I chat with new author Monica Vu about her first novel, When One of Us Hurts. This is a tight thriller set in a small coastal town where tragedy has struck the region with a baby being abandoned at a lighthouse while a teenager is drowned. These two events may seem disparate and not associated with one another, but as we get to learn about the stories of Livy and Marie, we find that they are connected. Monica's writing vividly brings their stories to life, leading to a gripping conclusion. In this interview, Monica talks about how she started writing and the transition from living in Dubai to moving to Tasmania with her partner. When One of Us Hurts is published by Pam McMillan Australia, and a copy of this book was uh, provided for this interview, it is now available through all good bookstores in Australia. And to listen to other interviews or to read other interviews, make sure to head over to thecurb.com.au. And for now, here is Monica Vu talking about When One of Us Hurts. Congratulations for uh, the launch of your book. Uh, you must be beyond excited. <laughs> it's been a crazy couple days. It's been it's been a lot of fun though. How does it feel? How does it feel for you to you know get your your baby out into the world? Ah, uh, feels a little surreal every time. Like I get tagged in a person holding a copy of my book. I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna read it. <laughs> well, I hope. They're gonna... <laughs> yeah, no, it feels. It feels pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, feels feels good. Let's flash back to when you first sat down and started to write this. What was your your mind set then, and how what you were going to be going through for the next uh, few years? I guess is probably the case. I imagine. Okay. Uh, well, when I first sat down to write, I had no idea what to do actually, so I had to Google it. Like a millennial, I Googled how to write. So that's the short story. So um, I was living in um, Dubai at the time before I moved to Tassie. So I moved to Tassie in 2019 uh, to be with my partner. Before that, I was living in Dubai, working as a flight attendant. So I had no experience writing whatsoever. And when we, when I got here, we were living in very remote places, very rural places. So I began to, I had to fill up my time with all with activities and reading was one of them. <laughs> so I went to the Tassie libraries, thank God for them, they're a lifesaver. So I started packing, you know, the, the old tote bag full of library books. And in between reading Stephen King, Richard Yates, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this writing thing a try. So I just Googled it. <laughs> so I Googled how to write a book, and then I found a site that said uh, how to uh, from the novelry, and it was like uh, how to write a book in 90 days. And I did it, and I had a book in 90 days. It wasn't very good, but was it, was it just kind of sitting there and having that dedication to then go? I'm gonna put X amount of words down on a page today. Um, well, the, so the site was really, really good for beginner writers, I think, because like I said, I had no experience. I sat down and it was just stream of conscious writing. So it was pretty much not really a set amount of words, but it was an hour every day. 
Yeah, and um, she, uh, you know the teacher Louise Dean, who's a, who's an author herself. She's a, she, she's a lo- lovely woman. She said, "Don't uh, don't write, don't like go crazy and write everything. Write a little bit so that you build into the habit." And I imagine, obviously, starting out as you're saying, you've not you hadn't written before, but there is that like self-criticism. We all do it, you know, especially I'm a millennial too. So I know that I sit there and I go, oh gosh, am I, what I'm doing, is it actually worthwhile? Is it interesting? How did you manage that as you're starting off? Oh my God, of course we have that. Uh, Absolutely. I have a very, very supportive partner. And every time I have uh, one of those days, um, he sits me down and he, he just you know, reminds me, you're just having a bad day. Um, calm down and tomorrow will be a different day. <laughs> Let's talk about then, obviously, you, you moved to Tasmania. What was that experience like and getting there and, and living there and, you know, especially having lived in Dubai as well, that's polar opposite kinds of worlds. So what's that like there? Actually, that was a huge part of writing the book so yes moving from dubai coming to tassie where were all the people where were the bars the clubs the nightclubs the malls um all of that was missing uh, and then you know all of a sudden there was like trees and mountains and uh land so much land and then you know like you look outside your window there's animals what <laughs> there's birds, wildlife and wallabies it was like being in like falling down the Alice rabbit hole and being Snow White. It was lovely. It was magical, but very, very challenging. Very, very challenging. <laughs> um, so that played a huge part into writing the book, just like the feeling of displacement, of being so like a fish out of water, being so isolated, being so remote. Um, all of the, my feelings, I've kind of, I've got it jotted down on the page. So it comes, comes out every now and then in the book. Like I said, I love Tazzy. It's, there's a, there's a certain magic here that just fuels creativity, um, but it was definitely an adjustment. I, I'm happy to say I think I've adjusted now. Like it's I'm I'm okay now. <laughs> oh, when I was first starting out in 2019, gosh, the libraries and the writing was a huge help. You know, Tasmania does really play quite a bit into the actual narrative itself. There is that that vibrancy of the nature and everything too. But I'm curious, you've got two different characters and you balance between two different voices. How did you make sure that you were actually, you know, dedicating one personality to one character and one personality to the other so that they shone through strongly and as unique people? That was a huge editing process, I would say. When I edited it, I would edit, I wouldn't edit the book from beginning to end. I would edit all of parts first and then all of Marie's parts after or vice versa and I did it in chunks so that their voice never left my head their mannerisms their cadence those their vocabulary never never left me for too long before I would edit the next day but yeah no it had to be days of being in their heads instead of you know chopping and changing every chapter as you're reading it yeah no it didn't the editing wasn't like as you're saying you're living with them in your head and I'm curious if like you know if you're cooking dinner or, you know, tidying the house or something like that. And you're going, oh, Marie would do it this way or Livia would do it this way. Was that something that happened to you as you were kind of writing the story and, and going through your life at the time? Not not while I was doing my daily things. I would say, oh, hey, Marie would do this. No, but definitely when I was out speaking to people or if I heard something, I would say that is something Marie would say. And then that 
my got got that got adopted into the book um a lot so no it was yeah no i i don't think so <laughs> it's just it's an observation which i've i've had for some people is that you know as i was saying they they see the world through their characters eyes and and it's so hard when you're dealing with something like a mystery as well because you know, there is, you want to keep your, your characters on the toes, but you also want to keep the readers on their toes as well. Never kind of being able to guess where things are going. So I'm curious for you, as you're writing this, how you manage to kind of keep the readers on your toes about, you know, what's actually going to be revealed and, and when you're actually going to reveal it as you're going along. Because that's what I found is that I had no idea where it was going to go. I didn't know how it was going to end. And it's nice when it, that happens because that's what you want from these kinds of stories. So I'm curious how you managed to pull that off. Well, like I said, I, I'm a reader first. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm a reader first, I'm a writer second. And I think how I guess I would... When I read it back to myself, I would leave it and I wouldn't touch it for a while. Like, you know, following the wise words of Stephen King, you leave it in the desk, you let it marinate and then you come back to it. And then if you read it yourself as a new, as just a reader, not as a writer, and then you see that there are some pockets where, hey, this could be a really good opportunity to surprise, to be surprised. Or you say, oh, this is better off suited you know, a little bit later. So I think you just have to, I did that a lot. You have to let it marinate, you come back to it. And then slowly but surely you create this tension in these moments and it's, it's beautiful. And then, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's how you, you just have to keep reading it over and over as a reader, not as a writer. <laughs> how do you personally balance that that reader and writer how do you take one hat off and put the other hat on i think once you put it aside you you create some distance to yourself and the fact that you've just created this whole thing so it's it, maybe it's kind of like i'm not a parent but maybe as a parent it's kind of like not seeing your child for a long time back and then getting to know them as a as a person not as a, not as your child maybe getting to see what their hobbies are and so i think that's probably what the book is you know you you come back to it, you read it over again and you're like okay, so this is, this is kind of a, you're not reading it. Yeah. You're not thinking oh, I made this. You're thinking, okay, so this isn't bad, but it could be better. You do the best you can as a writer and to split your time as a reader and a writer, I think. Like as you're writing, do you read other things that are in the same genre or do you kind of distance yourself from it and try and say, I'm writing in this genre. I don't want to read that. So I'm influenced by it. Uh, la, 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 la. Okay. Well, to be fair, um, when I was writing this book, although I re I was reading a lot of dark themed books. So, you know, like Lita, um, Revolutionary Road, I would argue was a little dark. Um, what else is I reading? Shirley Jackson. Um, they're not really crime books per se, are they? They're just really darker themed books. So, maybe maybe that that helped it a bit was that i wasn't reading crime specifically and you know saying oh this is a great great idea that i could put in this red herring blah 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 or whatever all those technical terms are um i was just reading the vibe reading the vibe reading the theme reading the moods and then um that infused into the writing and then um if you writing it yourself you you can surprise yourself if you if you're not influenced by what you're by all the the tricks of the trade of, of what John you're, you're already reading. I'm curious as well, because there, there is so much Australiana in here as well. Like the, the words and things like that feel very natural. Um, and I'm curious, obviously has, as somebody who is new to Australia, 
you know, how did you make sure that you got the right dialect, the right wording for the characters and the words that you use there? Well, luckily when I was writing it, I had a mentor who's, uh, he's a, an Australian filmmaker, Ian Pringle. So he read drafts after drafts after drafts with me. So luckily he was, he would, he was very harsh, <laughs> very harsh, lovable, but harsh man. But he was, you know, that's totally American. What are sidewalks? Nobody uses cell phones. It's a mobile here. So he would go through the manuscript, cross off words. I was sitting right next to him because we would, and I would just, ah, ah. <laughs> just one shot after the other. Um, and luckily I had my mother-in-law read it and I had my partner read it. They're both Australian. So, and then my brother-in-law as well. So they were all happy, all too happy to correct some words for me and say, this is absolutely Australian or not. It, well, it's, it rings true. And it's, it's really quite, you know, it's nice to see that, that kind of authenticity. And I imagine, you know, you mentioned Ian Pringle, he's, you know, a great filmmaker. Um, but I imagine there might be some talks of film like adaptations and stuff like that down the line. How do you feel about like people engaging with your work and then maybe down the line re-envisioning it in, on film or TV or something like that? Is that something that you're hoping might happen or is it not in your mind right now? Well, now that you've put it there, <laughs> filmmaker, he was reading and he was saying, oh, this could be a, a pretty great film if they did it correctly. Um, I, that is, that's way too far for me, I think. Like, I'm just pretty excited that the book is out there and people are going to be reading it. If, should they turn it into a movie, I would love to see it. I wonder who would play the characters. Oh my goodness. And, oh, they would have to film it. I would hope they'd film it in Tassie. That would be great. And then, oh, that would be, that would be amazing. Haven't thought about it, but that would be amazing. <laughs> so now it's out in the world, which is really exciting. What do you hope that people get from the book? What, what kind of, before they pick it up, um, and this is part of the reason why, because it is such a mystery, it's part of the reason why I've kept away from talking about the plot so much, because it is the kind of story that I want people to engage with without actually really knowing all too much because that's the joy of these kinds of stories. But I'm curious for you, when people pick it up, what do you want them to get away from the book, take away from it rather? Um, well, I think uh, as a reader, I like to obviously be entertained. <laughs> it has to have been not, it has to have been satisfying. Um, and so I would, I want to surprise them. I want to shock them. I want to make them feel feelings. <laughs> um, and if it changes them in some way, you know, like, cause I wrote it as a stream of consciousness from the character's perspective of anyways, we're not going to talk about the plot, but just if the characters somehow managed to allow change the reader to look at certain things in a different way, that would be pretty cool. But entertainment i hope that they enjoy it that's my number one thing um it is it's for them <laughs> well it is it is very entertaining and it's a lot of fun to read um you know as soon as i finished reading it my mum loves these kinds of books and so i passed it along to her and she was super excited um as well which is great um but i also want to talk about quickly too just the cover design too if you don't mind because i love the the cover design it is so you know it's haunting. It's a little bit, you know, uh, 
it, it leads you into this this darkness quite well. What was it like when you first saw the cover for the book? It was beautiful. For it was you know the it was like you said it was very eerie, gloomy, atmospheric. It was all the thing that I hoped encompasses my novel. So it was it was perfect. And then the lighthouse. Because then you see the cover, you see the, the the blue first, and the clouds, and you're like, oh yeah. And then you see the lighthouse is there, and it's just that's perfect because that's where obviously where the deaths are. So you've got the scene of the crime, and then you've got the crows in the background, who is an integral part, who are an integral part of Port Brighton, the town. And you, you know, I just it felt felt really good. And then I had a chat with my agent. She's like, oh my god, and I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we but we loved I loved it. I loved the cover. Yeah. It was beautiful. Beautifully made by Pan Macmillan, must I must say, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that's the thing, like you're with Pan Macmillan, which is like that's not a small place. So what's that like to have your first book, you know, released by Pan Macmillan? Oh my god, it was it's it's it was a dream. It was an absolute dream. When my agent called and told me that Pan was interested, I was like, What is happening? <laughs> I was I was so thrilled because you know like I said no experience in writing this is my first manuscript ever and I learned how to write via Google so I was I was just it was it was I was in a daze for a good like month just listening to some really calming music and just lying on my bed every time I my partner would look at me I'd be like off staring at the distance because I was in such a dreamy daze it was amazing so imagine now, like, uh, obviously we're talking about film and stuff like that before, which is, you know, these are things that are in the far future. And it's always a terrible thing to ask an author when they've just released a book, when's your next one? Because, you know, you've just spent so long working on it. But I imagine, like, you're going to jump into it. Uh, it's got to happen. Is that right? Is is this the kind of genre and field that you're going to work in again? Well, um, so when I was writing this first book when I was writing when one of us hurts and when I was doing the editing phase and there were some days where you know like you said where you were thinking what am I even doing what is this those days were um, I had to I knew that you know like times would be tough ahead so to looking ahead I started a book right away while I was editing this book because I was like okay well if this one doesn't work out I'm gonna need a backup plan so that I don't completely fall into a mess <laughs> on the floor so I started writing my second one already um and it's it's kind of done it's in the same genre I called my editor and I was like can I can I write in different genres this was already like this was after I had this one had to be picked up she's like yes the next one, no, but maybe the future ones, because, you know, you kind of want to branch out, try new things. Um, but no, the next one will be in the same genre. This one, very mystery set in Tazzy. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's a coming. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds a little bit like, you know, when you go on a holiday, everybody says that you've got to have your next holiday already planned. So that's almost like what you've done. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I just I was like I didn't want to be if it didn't work out it would be it would have been so upsetting and um th that was a really rare like a real concern for me that I would just toss up this whole thing in the air and say forget it so I had to have plan b 
Well, I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, you've done a great job with this one. I'm excited to see what the, the reaction is from everybody as well. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, <laughs> how, how are you going to deal with that? Like that's, that's, you know, are you going to read reviews? Are you going to seek out opinions and stuff like that? Or are you going to kind of distance yourself from it? It's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, what did you do? Mine was a book of interviews. So, it was, you know, interviews with filmmakers. So they're all going to like it regardless, which is a really hard thing because it's like, I want positive feedback or I want negative feedback. So I know what to do for the next one. Um, so it wasn't a narrative book, but, you know, it, that was a little bit different. But for you, I imagine like it's a narrative book. Like I know for a lot of filmmakers that I talk to, they're like, I'm not reading any reviews. I'm just, I've made it. I'm putting it away, which I can completely understand. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had the power and strength to do that. I know myself. I'm not, gonna, I will be reading the reviews probably. <laughs> I'm going to, I, my, um, Pan McMillan did say to watch out for, you know, the really, really bad ones. Don't take those personally. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I want to see what the readers are saying. I want to see if I've done my job, if I've surprised them, if I've, you know, entertained them. So no, I would love to read. I, I, I do want to see the reaction. And like I said, I, even if I didn't, I wouldn't have the power to stop myself anyway. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Well, from an <laughs> honest perspective, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it surprised me. It kept me engaged. And that's really all you want from a book like this. Like you want to be entertained and engaged and surprised at the end. You want to reach that final page and go, wow, I didn't expect when I first picked it up to end up there. And that's what's happened. So uh, congratulations, Monica. You've done a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear you say that. Yes. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.